0: Welcome to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks. Each week on this podcast, I interview world-class musicians in a casual setting. I want to get the backstory, the reasons why they make music, and the intent behind their latest project. Bright Dog Red is perhaps the most unique band to grace the halls of independent label Ropadope, and that's quite an accomplishment. Founded by drummer and composer Joe Pinato, Bright Dog Red is comprised of a rotating cast of players. On their new album, Howls By You, founding members are featured Cody Davis, Anthony Berman, as well as long-standing members, Mike LaBombard and MC Cully. The collective has its genesis in a series of freewheeling jam sessions led by Pinato, a professor at the State University of New York on the Alto campus. Bright Dog Red hits the stage without charts or set lists. They simply start playing and improvise, taking cues from each other and from the audience in the room. It's adventurous, and due to the skill and rapport of the players, surprisingly cohesive. So welcome back to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. We have a return visit from the great Joe Pinato and Bright Dog Red. How are you? I'm doing well, Lewis. How are you today? I am plugging along, plugging along in this here record business. We have a, a a new record from Bright Dog Red scheduled for the fall, and I, I have to say, at first musically, I was like, "Well, of course, this is what I expected." But then, you're really getting into some new territory here. Um, can you talk about the, you know, how this is different from last year's record? But first, no, stop. But first, the title, "House by You." Yeah. I got to know, I got I to gotta, I describe that for everyone. What, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it's related actually to your last question as well. So uh, a couple things were going on with this album. Um, the, the first is it's just, you know, the band had been playing together consistently a lot. I think we've done, you know, 50 plus gigs over the past few years. And uh, it's mostly been the core lineup that you hear on, on the album. So there was a sense Uh, with what we do as a band that, you know, your, your neighbor is pretty important and their fate and your fate are bound up whether you like it or not, especially in, you know, Mm -hmm. with the approach that we take. Um, And then in just thinking about the times we live in the current um, uh, fiasco of a world, um, you know, the, the idea that you should check up on others, uh, those that are more vulnerable or those that maybe aren't more vulnerable, but just need, need to hear from a friend or a neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we started talking about that. We're just talking about that without the concept of the album in mind, but, um, you know, I was listening to some of the, the things we did and some of the things that Cully was starting to think about in his freestyling. And I, I asked the, the players to kind of ruminate on that concept of checking in on thinking about, uh, kind of, you know, looking out for other people and, um, you know that's that's a different thing from the last album where we didn't really go on a theme or an idea. We just played. Uh, this album was all improvised as well, but that was less of the focus of what we're doing. It was more like okay, as we're as we're doing these improvisations, let's kind of find a theme. Um, and so the lyrics obviously are a big part of that. Cully has a lot of influence because uh, words um, to to words they move us away from the abstraction that music keeps you in, right? Music is a kind of abstract mm-hmm. interpretation. Words mm-hmm. make it more concrete. What, what I like about Cully though, is he's never, oh, it, or I shouldn't say never, he's rarely literal and his lyrics have a kind of implicit meaning and oblique reference to um, the kinds of themes that we've been discussing. Um, and, you know, the contradictions of, of the things that he's freestyling about, I think are reflective of, of the contradictions of contemporary life, 21st century life, the United States, political situation. Um, And so... Latter-day capitalism. Latter-day capitalism. It was pretty exciting for us to sort of see it come together. And and these are, you know, the albums from three different recording sessions, but they were all they were they we, we focused on those themes in all of them we discussed them in all of them and it was it was after the first session that the conversation started it, it just happened naturally and then for the second one we started thinking more a little more intent and then the third one it's like yeah we've got we've, we've got a focus here um, and uh, everything is still completely improvised but you know when you go in and you're sort of feeling a certain vibe and you've been talking to people that you've, you've become close with and um, been working with over the, the you know, the past couple of years, then it's easier to coalesce in a sense around a theme musically, as well as uh, lyrically, uh, and also just a vibe in the the space where we were recording. So I think that's a different thing about this album is that um, we're not, uh, we're not just playing and seeing where the music takes us, we're playing and kind of ruminating on ideas as well. And um, I don't think we could have done that earlier on, because the, the musical thing has developed quite a bit. There's been a maturation that I think allows us to coalesce quicker. And so, um, yeah, that's that's the
0: way the album differs from the last one, for sure. Interesting. I, I, so for people who have not heard the previous podcast or listen or don't know Bright Dog Red yet, I just want to say that this is fully improvised music. Uh, and I, I want to drill down a little bit about Kali, is it fully improvised lyrics? Is it freestyling? It's freestyling,
1: and um, he does not use uh, favorite rhymes or prepared rhymes. He does have some words and themes that he likes to go back to, mm-hmm. um, but uh, for example, uh, the title, well, it's really not the title track. It's close to the title. The title of the album is "House By You, but there's a track called A Bayou Bayou, And that was just his own sort of wordplay. But it gets at like a kind of multi-layered message, if message is maybe too specific a word, multi-layered interpretation is possible. Um, You know, there's obviously the geographic uh, formation of a bayou, a swamp. Um, Mm -hmm. There's the connotation of swamp in today's current situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, But one of the things we often do is if something is is not, you know, if, we, if, if, if it's not of our ilk, or we don't relate to it, or we're opposed to it, we might reject it. And, and we're, we're kind of saying here is as, as difficult as it is, that you know, a piece of what you have to do is check in on even those that you don't get along with. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, start, he starts with no act of kindness can be too small. That's pretty literal. But at the end, when he's saying there's a bayou bayou, there's somebody near you who needs you. Whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not, there's a bayou, bayou, a bayou, bayou. And that, so that, he took it to the next level with that. And um, we were really talking about the concept of how's bayou and that expression. It was an expression that I used a lot as a kid growing up in Brooklyn and in New Jersey. It's kind yeah, of a right? northeast expression, you know, yeah. oh, hey, how's bayou? It's just a way of checking in. So that was a piece of, of the theme that I gave him, but just, you know, he took it to the next
0: you know, next level on, on, on the whole album, but on that track in particular. Yeah, it's really stunning. And, you know, when, when you first, when I first queued this up, of course, um, I'm interested in hearing, you know, where people are going to go with the music, uh, the flow, the rhythm, and then the improvisation from each player. But pretty soon you find that you have to focus on his words uh, And and then that puts it, it flips it around. It feels a, like a, a little bit of Kerouac, a little bit of Dylan, and and a rapper that I am probably unfamiliar with, <laughs> 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 because that is I'm not as versed in the genre. Uh, yeah. But but I think that you he he ends up with uh, a a a a powerful interpretation of all of all of those different sort of uh, poetic genres or styles, if you will. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I I agree
1: 100%. And what's interesting is he's not necessarily aware of, of, uh, I mean, of course he knows Dylan and um, he knows who Kerouac is, uh, but that's, he's not really a beat, like like the beat movement is not really, you know, generally, gener- generationally, he's far removed from it. Um, and um, he's aware of it, but I don't know it's where his head is at as much as it kind of resembles that by coincidence, which is really cool because he's doing, it's less imitative and more, there's there's then more of a... Um, a genuine quality to it. It reflects him in just his way of thinking about words. Um, And he's a, you know, creative writer. I mean, that's his thing is writing and uh, he makes a reference in the lyrics uh, about, you know, he's, he's done teaching and, you know, he studied music. Uh, He was a former student of mine as some of the, some of the members of the band are, Um, but he, um, you know, he's, since graduating with a degree in music and music industry, he's really been focused on teaching, working with young people and and teaching English specifically and creative writing. So I think you're seeing that, you know, he's really immersed himself in in a way the words, like on the first album, there's definitely some of that stuff with him there, you know, uh, whereas where's Righteous who's on the first album, another MC who's played with us, you know, his raps are, they're, they're more literal, they're more, um Clearly, rapping over beats—that's kind of where Wright just hits his zone it and it and feels most comfortable. Whereas, you know, Khalil, he, he the freestyle thing is really where he's most happy. He he would prefer not to spit over bars as much as he would prefer to be able to just use his voice uh, partially as an instrument, but also um, create. You know, I mean, poems or poetry is maybe too strong a word, but cre- he likes to do
0: wordplay in real time. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's poetry, and I think I, when I mentioned Kerouac, uh, Dylan, and 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 freestyle rap, I, I, you know, I'll, I'm more of the uh, earlier genre, as I previously mentioned, right? Um, with Kerouac and Dylan, you get a sense of the, you get a full sense of their view. Of the world. It's like a lens into their viewpoint. And I think he does that effectively. And 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 you know, the, the, the connecting point is that it's it's my viewpoint too. You know, it's I'm not too far away from from that. It's something that everybody can understand. Yeah,
1: but, and you know, I, I think you're right about that. And I think one thing that um, you know, because Cully's, I think, 24. So one thing his generation has a lot to deal with is is the own contradictions of their life, and that comes back a lot in his lyrics. You know, um, Here, here's
0: one contradictions yeah. uh, from the song American Standards, which is really well titled, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know insecurities mixed with securities. So a large stock purchase when you're feeling large and stocky, like you ain't worth it. There's, there's a lot in that, in that one line that just kind of hit me um, to, to sort of sum up to today, capitalism and our, our feelings of self-worth and, and how money is tied up in, in all of that, or we've been taught that money has something to do with self-worth. Hey there. Did I lose you? Yeah,
1: we must have dropped off.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> that's this is an interesting contrast. I've never had that happen. Um, I you I won't be able to 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 get uh, your comment to what I just said, although it is in the recording. Uh, but perhaps <laughs> annotate this. Um, let, let's let's move on. How how is how has everyone uh, evolved on House by you? musically are there any other things uh, any other pr- progressions that you'd like to highlight in talking about some of the other players yeah
1: i think uh, you know that concept of coalescing starts with me and the bass player tony um and tony is remarkable bass player in the sense that um as a drummer i'm kind of a go for broke drummer i've always liked to describe my approach to the drums that way and um so there's a kind of um uh, I've come kind of careening all over the place uh, mm-hmm. with the way that I play and the way Phil's fall and the time signature and the pulse. And uh, and he just is able to stay with me and it's um, really become a special thing between us, the way we lock in. Uh, and I, so I think that that's at a higher level now on this album and certainly in our live shows than it's been ever before. And so that then frees up, the rest of the players and um whether it's uh cody who does the electronics um or uh, mike on saxophone they're they're free to really be themselves and feel like there's a lot of support there because the bass and drums are always together and and what that's meant for the album is that you know and you may have noticed this in listening to it that it's not um it's a, it's a more unified album than the last one. The, the, the last one's like a good, it's a good sampler of all the things Bright Dog Red can do. <laughs> but this album is like a unified album. And even though we did three different sessions for it, and there are kind of tunes that are more like ballads, like What's the Point? And they're very pointillistic and uh, spacey. And then there are tunes that are really hard hard groove tunes, like American Standards and Cauldrons and Conundrums. Um, there is a continuity to the album and I think that that's um, that starts in that bass and drum combo Uh, Mm -hmm. but you know one thing about Cody that's pretty remarkable is he he's able to do he's able to manipulate samples in a couple ways one one is that he creates obviously a lot of texture and this deep bed of sound um, and that's sort of uh, really important to our sound, but he's he's also actually a very important rhythmic player because he'll he'll lock in with the bass at, at times, or he'll play counter to what I'm playing. Um, so there's often what sounds like a cool effect on the bass. It's actually like Cody doubling, <laughs> uh, manipulating samples in the same rhythm of, with the bass, and that that's really a neat thing that he's really been developing over the years. And I think. Um, Mike as a saxophone player has been doing a lot of listening to uh, great sax players to think about how to develop themes over time. Um, so we're getting kind of these, these really broad and long arc kind of melodies happening that Mike's gotten really great at. Mm-hmm. And, um, when he's not doing that, he's, he, you know, he's always been a great rhythmic player, but the rhythmic thing on this album between the sax, the electronics, the bass and the drums sometimes really, uh, It was a lot of fun. During the sessions, we could hear it. And for me, as the person doing the recording and then trying to find tracks within these long improvs, it it was actually easy to find the tracks because the breaks and the transitions were all there. I didn't have to really like, you know, we would fade some parts to get, you know, like maybe the piece, the improv ended maybe, let's say, with a nice sax melody. We might fade the other parts just to bring out that melody, but it ended with that melody. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's the end of that piece. Oh, here's a new piece. And we didn't think about those transitions in the sessions. They just happened naturally, which was, that was a cool thing to see.
0: Wonderful. So I want to remind people that uh, How's By You is coming out on September 13th. 2019 which amazes me that that's where we are um let's talk about the live shows for a second obviously no two are the same um i'm curious to hear your impression of the audience response uh what do you think people are expecting when they come to see bright dog red and, and 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 what kind of feedback do they give you afterwards
1: you know it depends on the audience uh and the venue but there are some some definite trends so you know one thing is there's a sense of surprise um and uh in terms of what the audience is expecting i i often joke with with the people at our gigs and i'll say if you're if you're curious to know what we sound like so are we uh because oh, wow. we don't know what we're going to play tonight um and um you know it's a it's a fun little joke of course to warm up an audience but but it's really true we don't know what we're going to play and the personnel in the band shifts from time to time so that's always then you know another element but i think what people get is uh the sense that they are part of an experience um so they're not just listening to music and enjoying the sound of a band um they are uh, in a way, they become like you know. If there's five of us on the stage, the audience is definitely a sixth member, and we're sort of responding to what we what we think the audience is responding to, uh, mm. and what they're demonstratively responding to. Like if they, if they're dancing, you know they're really into it. Um, and for those who haven't seen us before, what we often hear is you know how is that all improvised? And um, it's it's a lot of fun to see them be surprised at that, but uh, what we try to do is we, we're we not big into mystery or um, we like to make it as accessible as possible. Uh, we, we just tell them how we do it. And we explain to them that, you know, when you play together for a long time, you actually, you're, you are improvising, but there's certain kind of tendencies and grooves and feelings that we like. And um, there's a lot of verbal communication that we have down now. So it's, uh, it's it's not as daunting for us as it, it might seem to the uninitiated audience member and and i think they appreciate that we're we're kind of down to earth and uh, mm-hmm. direct in explaining it we don't make it mysterious uh because it's something that we think you know all people can do right it's like having a conversation you get together and um okay now we're speaking english you're speaking english there's there's going to be a certain cadence there's certain vocabulary well that's kind of how we're working and we know where everybody's at Um, And uh, the other thing we try not to do is we we don't want to fool an audience. So if we're playing for an audience in a a, a club like New Blue where we play a lot and they're expecting something like what we do, then yeah, that's great. But if we're playing like a festival, then maybe we're more focused on playing more rhythmically or in a way that's more Mm -hmm. accessible. So we're still doing what's true to us, but we're you know you have to think about the audience, and you want them to have an experience that's meaningful. You know, certainly don't want to pander to them because that's not meaningful, and they'll see right through it. But you also you know you if you're if you're playing like uh, a really dissonant set at a, for a festival crowd, it's not necessarily the best thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's not fair. You're kind of you're kind of fooling them, which is something you should never do with an audience. So it's always a you know for me, it's gratifying to see how surprised they are that, you know, the, the way things come together. And I think another thing that really impresses me is audiences, whether they're kind of musicians audience or just, you know, a group of people at a, you know, uh, uh, a bar and restaurant that we sometimes play at those kinds of venues. um, They know when you, when they know when things to come together, they hear it and they see when the band coalesces and their response is like, it's an affirmation to us like, oh yeah, we just hit it. There it is right yeah, there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's amazing when that happens. We, uh, we played at New Blue um, Classic uh, last month uh, and we had a moment like that in the first set where about 20 minutes in, th- things just completely locked in and the whole place was just with us. And it was really, it was really special. So it's amazing to see you know, the audiences. They're very tuned in and you know, they know,
0: they know what's happening, which is pretty cool to see. And it's it's, a, it's an experience for them. I I I think that once this album's out, because the um, songs are so... Because in, in the lyrics especially, um, I think they're going to really resound with a lot of people with everything that's going on today. I envision a time when you're going to get requests. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do?
1: <laughs> Let's see. We've gotten... Uh we had somebody who had a few to drink who wanted us to play um, happy birthday and was telling us in the middle of our set, which, you know, we're all playing and this person is uh, screaming at the foot of the stage.
0: Can you play happy
1: birthday and throwing $20 pills at
0: us? Oh my God. Uh, so <laughs> at least was... it wasn't uh, sweet Caroline or brown eyed girl. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Um, so I don't know if, it, you know, if somebody were to request uh a song on the album that would be tough for us to do, but we, we, we could certainly improvise on the groove. I mean, we, we, we all know the music well enough and um, I know what the drum the drum time feels and patterns are. And, um, you know, we would probably want to make it really clear to that person that, you know, you're not going to hear exactly what's on the album, but you, you, you will hear Bright Dog Red. And that's one thing that um, people who follow us from, more regularly have said that you know it's interesting it's always consistent it always it sounds like i'm hearing what i listen to on
0: the recording um Uh, right so it may not be exactly the same but it's going to have that same they're going to know it's you yeah they know it's us that's a good way to put it yeah yeah fascinating well i i want to um I want to remind people, 9-13-19 is the day, and before that, there'll be pre-order, and people can stream some of this. And I urge people to to visit and stream and add it to their uh, library on whatever service that they use. Uh, and I I really I'm in awe, Joe. Um, to me, this is there's a lot of discussion about what what is the essence of jazz in, in, in today's in today's world, uh, and especially over here at Ropado, we have a lot of people trying to push and 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 make this genre again what it could what it could be and perhaps has been all along uh but this is really to me the the essence of that uh full-on improvisation reflection on the on the on the culture uh and audience participation uh, you know people feeling the music so i want to thank you and all the guys uh for, for making this next record. And uh, and thank you for taking the time to speak. Appreciate it. Well, thank, thanks for having me and thanks for
1: helping us get the record to people to hear because uh, it means a lot to us. And you know we, we're, we're, we're thrilled about our association with RoboDope and uh, to hear you talk about the album that way, it's, it's great to work with people who get what we're trying to do. So thank you. All
0: right. Thank you all for tuning in to The Station Tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropadope99, and you can find out more about the artists we speak with at Ropadope.com. Thanks to the 21Soul team, Nick Perry and Steven Jaszewski on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from the Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world and to those of you who are taking the time to listen, we hope you enjoy the show.